Welcome back to the Shut the Hell Up and Sell podcast. I am your host, the, the writer of an author. You know, I'm a writer. That sounds weird. Author. That sounds better. Author of Shut the Hell Up and Sell, Ron L. Richards. And uh, I, I'm joined by another sales leader. Uh, actually, this guy, man, I'm a, I, I might have to call you like the Renaissance, man. Maybe we're going to change the... Yeah, like I don't just want to say sales leader. Like this dude is he he he's doing so many. His life's just way cooler than mine. Let's just put it that way. Like it's way more exciting, and uh, I, I I'm super excited to have have you on, Gary. So I've got Gary Furman hanging out with me today, and um, we hooked up a couple of months ago, and you were just telling me a little bit about your story and your background, and and uh, man, so fascinating i'm like dude i you're the first person i think i've ever on the spot said listen i want you on the podcast and look here we are. a couple months later we're here you're 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 upstaging me though like you got a better backdrop than me nobody has a no, better no, backdrop no, no. come on you <laughs> welcome in thank my you guy. thank you awesome to be here and I, you took me by surprise too when you asked me so believe me i was kind of shocked on the spot as well but absolutely stoked really Come on now, man. The Renaissance guy, I bet you've been asked to like play guitar for like, uh, I don't know, the Rolling Stones or something or hop on the, on the mic with Jay-Z or something. It just seems like you'd be that type of guy like Jay-Z's doing his concert. And he points out, he's like, you got come up here. And then you, you, you spit a few bars and then you get signed. I'll be honest. I have been asked before, uh, but only on Zoom calls. So uh, yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> What? <laughs> to, to spit bars or do it with no, Jay-Z? Like, oh, I like that guitar. Can you grab it and play for me? I'm like, hey, man, we're on a work call. Uh, All right. <laughs> All right. So for those of you guys that are not watching the, the video, which I want to encourage you, if you if you listen to this, uh, listen to the podcast, first of all, I appreciate any way that you're consuming this, whether it is, you know, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening to this, I appreciate that. But I will say that the the video experience just takes it to a whole nother level. So you get to see uh, Gary's guitars hanging up be beside him. You get to see his perfect <laughs> hair. Jesus Christ. Dude, can you lift that? I bet he can lift it off. It looks too It's perfect. like a helmet, so you it's can't touch perfect. it once it's, it's a set it and forget it situation. <laughs> All right. So how long does it take you? To Honestly, when I go to the barber, I tell him, this is what I want to do. Go like this and then do a little spray and I'll be done. And that's how he cuts my hair. <laughs> wow okay but how often do every you month go? once a month yeah. okay that's it that's it when you get wow. a good cut <laughs> okay. okay well see for brothers it's a little bit different man we got to do like once so right now i am i run probably every 10 days but i used to be i know this sounds insane to some of you folks out there i used to be like every five wow. or six days yeah right and uh, then one day, one year, my my um, CPA is is doing my taxes, and he's like, "This expense right here, who's this? What's this?" I'm like, "Oh shit, I spent that much on my." So you're saying uh, barbershop's yeah. a good business? I'll I'll jot that note down. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm telling you, if if you're my barber, it's a great big. <laughs> business shout out to Forrest. what's there going on go. for us anyway gary back to you man so let's start this thing off but just if you would share with the audience what it is that you do for a living how you're you're changing the world of a business sure sales. sure so i work for a company called tierpoint 
It is a cloud and managed services provider. And what sets us apart and makes my job a hell of a lot easier is the fact that we own the underlying infrastructure and we own the buildings where the underlying infrastructure sits. And on top of that, we layer all of our services around that portfolio so that it's a complete white glove managed service. Anyone that needs anything in their IT stack could come to us. We can do it. We do it well. We support it. Price to sell. And you get me on your team. I'll always be behind you. Yeah. How about that? And, and okay, so I know you're killing it. You're killing it in sales. That's cool. Love that. That That is... That's that's fun for everyone to know, but what's we what's really sexy, man. What we really want to know is who sure. you are, not just what you do. So we start with what you do because we got a little little bit of context there, so people know. Okay, this is what you do. But if you're on the platform, everyone knows that you're a killer. Like everyone on this platform is a a top rated triple A Ronell stamped <laughs> approved <laughs> seller, like killing it. But I want to know where it started for you, my friend. So what is what's the first sales job? That you had. I mean, I'm talking about you got a paycheck. You ready? Not the. Uh, I know you were. Pro- I know you were probably. I don't know. You're probably selling lemonade on the beach or something. And I don't know. I, so I wish it was <laughs> as luxurious as that. So it I do remember. I do remember my very first job. Uh, it was in North Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, so mm. let me rewind it a little bit more. So I, I moved here to America from Ukraine when I was seven. Now, my family and I, we had nothing when we came to the country. So we had to figure out very quickly, A, how to speak the language. That was a huge barrier, right? I myself had no idea how to speak English. So I got put on a school bus. We'll never forget this. First day of school, first grade, seven years old. My name was still Igor, right? Before we changed it a little bit. Oh, you changed it? Down the road, changed it to Gary. My citizenship papers say Igor, a.k.a. Gary Furman. Still today, because that's my uh-huh. alias. Uh, and so Im- instantly I had to realize how to how to do things, how to get things done. And it was on the fly. Now, being that young, it really came easy to me. For my parents, not so hard. So I watched them struggle. My mom started a nanny job. My dad was a gymnastics coach. And again, the language barrier, language barrier. But I saw them. They were growing, 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 growing. And I realized they are hardworking people. And that's where kind of my culture set in. That is what I know. It's all I know. Just work hard. If you work hard, good things will come. So when I was 12 years old, I got a job as a junior custodian in my own elementary school, picking gum off the bottom of desks. What? (laughs) That was my very first job experience. And I'm I'm so grateful for it because I met some really nice people. And I just, it was, it was, that, that's what I knew. I would wake up, I would walk to work as a little kid, walk to work. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I sound like I'm 90 years old, but you know, that's, that's the way it was. Right. So I'd walk to work. I would, I had this spray. You would freeze the gum on the bottom of the desk. You'd scrape it off. It was rewarding and you get paid uh-huh. and that's it. That was my very first job experience that I am extremely grateful for because ever since that, I, you know, in high school, I made varsity lacrosse team. Did I play? No, because while I was playing, I realized practicing every day after school, I'm not earning. I'm not making money. I'm not progressing my career. I'm playing a sport, which by all means, it's massively important, especially for those that go to school on scholarships, which I wish I did, but I didn't. But I, I stopped playing lacrosse 
And I got my first actual sales job, which was cold calling, carpet cleaning. Mm -hmm. So I would call, call okay. companies. Tell me about it. I would call companies. I would call houses, cold call and say, hey, uh, you know, you cleaned your carpets with us a couple of years ago. I'm sure they're pretty filthy by now. Why don't we come back out and do this all over again? And yeah. so that was where I rejection. So you, that is where I learned acceptance. Uh, That's where I learned wins, losses. I learned a lot in just speaking with people. And I love doing that. I love talking to people. Wow. Okay. So that's the first, Gary. I haven't had a, a cold calling uh, carpet cleaner. There you go. Time, so. <laughs> yeah. But I would I'd expect nothing less from the Renaissance man. So tell me more about that first experience in sales. Because I find that how we enter the profession has such a strong impact on our philosophy on sales and, and how we, how we, we do business and kind of stays with us forever. Or, and, and for some people it pushes yeah. them out. That very first experience is what pushes them out. So tell me something about that. Like, what did you, what did you learn through that experience? that's kind of like stuck with you. And, and, and I think, and I hope that I'm not the only one that experienced this, but the fear of rejection, right? Mm -hmm. The amount of times that I either just heard a click or a no, or a lose my number, or worse, it, it was it was nonstop some days, you know, <laughs> and you'd, you'd walk out of there, you'd be defeated. But at the same time, you yeah. build that callus. And the more of a callus mm -hmm. you build, the better you become at handling rejection. And at one point, I'm like, wait a minute, he just said no for such a silly reason. Let me go back to him. Let me give him a rebuttal and be like, well, hold on. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, there was a special back then, but you know what? What if I recreated that special for you right now? Would you do it again? And he's like, oh, well, I mean, that kind of changes things. I'm like, well, here we go. Let's make a deal. And that's it. So then I became better at navigating people, navigating rejection, navigating obstacles in my sales way. And that is the, the biggest lesson that I got out of there. And also just working oh, with man. culture. You know, we made it fun. We were mm -hmm. sitting in a basement making cold calls all day, but there was three of us. So we started making competitions of it. We would take small breaks, laugh, go back to work. You know, if something funny would happen on the phone. We would stop everything, tell everyone, go back to work. And so that culture kind of working with people oh, in a sales room, yeah. it was, it, it was an yeah. office, you know, to an extent, but I learned a lot from that small job of trying to get people to clean their carpets. Gary, that is something. First of all, there's a couple of things that I really loved about what you said, but like that sense of community, sales community and camaraderie, like team, um, that's something that unfortunately a lot of new entrants into sales as a profession, they're not getting that yeah. right now, man, because they're getting a job, you know, straight out of college or whatever, or their high school. And they're just like, okay, you're on a Zoom. Here's what yeah. you do. Go sell. And like, like you, I had that when I got into it, man. Like somebody was, was, you know, an asshole or whatever. I could go talk to my buddy and I could, we could, you know, he could console me and then we'd go get at it or we'd have a little fun time, you know, have little challenges and things like that. And I think that's something that's missed right now. You also said something um, else that really resonated with me um, when you talked about, um, building up that callus, right? And for whatever reason, I got this vision in my head 
um, of, of fighting and boxing. Have you ever, of course you did. I don't know. I'm at, I got the Renaissance man here. You've done everything, but I'm going to ask you, have you ever boxed? I, I, I have not boxed. There you go. What? I've done, I've the done one karate thing. as a kid, one... but never, never boxing. Okay. Well, karate, well, a little different. Karate yeah. is a little different because there's not as, you're not getting punched in the face. But here's <laughs> the thing about boxing or, you know, MMA, whatever, um, is that, like, so you haven't boxed. This is actually a great question to ask you. What's the worst thing about boxing? You, what's worth, what do you think is the worst thing Just about getting boxing? Getting knocked out. Yeah, getting hit in the getting face, in the right? Face like, oh, like, who, who wants to get in, hit in the face? But here's the thing. It sucks, right? It doesn't feel good. Yep. <laughs> but once you've been hit in the face and you know what it feels like, you know what to expect. And so it doesn't, it hurts a little bit less every time. It's just, it's just, it's, and so that your story kind of for in some weird way made me think about boxing. It's like in cells, Hey Leah, you get that hang up that first time and like, it just feel it's crushing, right? It's like what they, they hung up on me oh, or they called you a name or something and it's crushing. Yep. But the 12th time, not so much like you, you know, but I think a lot of people get scared off. Because of that first initial, they're like, oh, somebody hung up on me. I'm done. I'm deflated. Exactly. Right? And that, and you said it before, to weed out, right? That initial sales job weeds out the people that are going to continue to be in sales versus the people that are saying, this is not for me. This is just not for me. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of them well, and I think in that, my career. So have I. I think, though, Gary, if, some, if people had that community like you had, right? Like they're in a room with like, you know, five or six other people that are going through the same thing, they might find that they actually love it when they get through that part. Because at the end of the day, that part sucks, but like every job has something that sucks. But what doesn't suck is what we get to do today, what you do today, which is providing great solutions, providing great outcomes, helping businesses, saving businesses. That part's pretty awesome. Absolutely. And and selfishly, the wins... The wins are everything. That's a drug in itself, yeah, right? Man. I mean, I remember, and I told you the story of my accident. I was in a hospital bed and the doctors came to me. I'm in, I am in shambles. And the doctors come to me and every, my family comes to me and they're like, what, what can we do? What can we bring you? And I said, just get me my laptop. Just get me my laptop. And I jumped on my laptop, started firing out emails. Most of them were like, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. Okay, this. Gary, let's 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 bring everybody into this, man. If we're, we're going, yes. there. we're going there, man. Like, so you started it, so we're let's going go there. there. If I want, let's let's talk about your your story because I think it's a great. For me, it was really inspirational to hear as a seller, um, and I'd love it if you'd share what happened. Absolutely. Um, so this August, it'll be six years. I was in a really bad motorcycle accident. I got ran off the road at about 45, 50 miles an hour. Uh, my bike landed on me, said I slid, I don't know, 100 feet, 200 feet, one mile it seemed like. I just kept sliding, and I slid under a oncoming van. Luckily, the van saw me. He was the person that called 911, slid under it. That's what stopped me from sliding in the first place. I, I was in really bad shape. I mean, the adrenaline was running through me. I got up on my feet. I was screaming at the top of my lungs and I looked over at my hand and it wasn't there. And then I realized I'm like, 
oh my God, this is bad. And I picked up, it was hanging under my elbow. I picked it up and I held it to my body and I looked down at my foot and half my foot was gone. I looked up my side, I'm bleeding everywhere. Felt like it was raining, but it was just blood dripping down over my face, pouring. And I realized I am in really, really bad shape. And the guy came over to me and he goes, hey man, you need to go sit on the grass. This is really bad. Go sit down, stop running around. And I laid down and I just, I didn't know what to do. Had no idea. The ambulance came, they cut my clothes off, one foul swoop, put me on a stretcher, put me into the ambulance. In ambulances, freezing cold. I'll never remember. I started shaking a little bit and then I started going to some sort of convulsion. And I had enough of me left where I, I asked the person, I was like, hey man, am I gonna die? And that was probably like the lowest, deepest, hardest point because I had no idea what that person was gonna tell me. And the guy goes, Gary, this is really bad, but you're gonna be all right. And you're gonna feel a lot better in three, two, one. And it was just, my soul like left my body. I was like, oh my God. And the pain didn't go away. It's just that I didn't care about it. And that was the introduction of opioids into my system. And that was, yeah, the a very strong uh, drug that they gave me intravenously. So got me to the hospital. They cleaned out all my wounds and started bandaging me up. And I woke up because they, they put me under to do all that. I woke up and I still was kind of felt the pain, obviously, but I was still under and they let me know my mom's coming, everyone's coming to see me. And instantly I was so scared, not for me, but and this, this will be funny. I actually, I was scared that my mom was going to yell at me. She never wanted me to have a motorcycle. I got the motorcycle. She, her biggest fear was me falling. I went down and that's it. And that's all I wanted. I was like, oh my God, she's going to kill me. This thing didn't kill me. My mom's going to kill me. That's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and that's it. So I, I had about, I would say, seven surgeries after that, putting me back together. All kinds of new technology I never heard of. Wound vax and external fixators. I, I have now titanium going through my arm. I can't bend my wrist like this. My uh, I, I could share with you the, uh, the x-ray, but my, my two bones are actually, my one bone's detached so that they gave me this movement where I could turn my, turn my wrist, but I can't bend my wrist. And um, yeah, slowly I, I started to get better. And I realized this is a big lesson that I learned too. Um, and a takeaway, non-business takeaway, but a health takeaway. If you treat your body well, when, when it comes to push and shove, your body will treat you well in return. It is critically important to be healthy. And the doctors told me, they're like, we've never seen skin grow back so fast. We've never seen this happen so fast. And I started to realize, I was like, you know what? This is my motivation now. I need to get better. I need to now prove to everyone that knows that I've been in an accident, that I got this. And I want to come out of it. I'm going to be even better, but even better than before. And then the doctor came to me. My foot doctor came first, said, you're going to learn how you have to learn how to walk again. And I'm like, what do you mean? I've just been laying down. How do I, how do I not remember how to walk? And he's like, well, you lost three toes. It's like the balance is going to be completely off. So fast forward, he 
sends me out of the hospital in a boot. He goes, do not walk. Do not walk in this boot. All right. I won't walk. I'm in a wheelchair. I get home. I stand right up, walk across the room. And I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. He was just saying that. Is he testing me? Was he real? Like for real? I don't know. Is he? I guess doctors are programmed or they have to by law say worst case scenario, because if they don't, I could go after him and say, well, you told me I could walk and I can't walk. I'm going to sue you. Mm-hmm. You're a bad doctor. So he said, all right, you walked. Great. I told you not to. Don't do anything else. Like, do not take the boot off. That's when you're going to fall. The boot is the ultimate stabilizer. It's got a wide base. You know, it's making it really easy. I come home, take the boot off, walk across the room again. And I'm like, really? I got this. I got this. And he goes, well, you're not going to be able to run for sure. Unless you get a prosthetic, get a shoe insert, get this, get that. And I'm getting better and better and better. And I go, you know what? I'm going to go for a run. I said, you know what? I'm going to do a push-up. I can't do it like this on my hands. I'm going to do it on my fists. And I sent all my buddies a picture of me running in place and then getting down on the ground and doing 10 push-ups. And slowly, I just did everything that the doctor told me I wasn't going to do. I started doing it. He said, you won't surf. Okay. Tell me again that I won't surf. First vacation I went on, got on a surfboard, and I surfed. And that's that's when I knew. I was like, you know what? My my thought of I know that I could beat this, I definitely now can. And I can be better. I started swimming. I started running. I started biking. Now mountain biking again. Everything just started to fall back into place. But the ultimate lesson there is I went from being the top sales rep at the old company I used to work for to thinking that I might be dead. I had everything and then I had nothing. And it basically was of such a humbling moment because when I came to the country with my family, we had nothing. It almost brought me back to that, but even lower because we had our health. We had everything. We had potential. And and the, the state of America then it was the land of opportunity. It's why we came here in the first place, right? So to be kind of knocked back down to where you can't walk, you can't do things by yourself, everything hurts, you're on medication, to then just rebuild, that was massively rewarding all over again. And that's why I said when they came to me and said, what do you want us, what do you want us to bring you? I said, give me my laptop. And I closed one of my biggest deals from a hospital bed. And that was, that was the ultimate, ultimate high because I, again, it was just one thing after the other that told me, Gary, you got this, Gary, you got this. So just focusing on what drives me and focusing on the things that I know will naturally make me bigger, better, stronger did exactly that. It wasn't. So you, so you were sitting in a hospital bed rehabbing and you asked you asked your family to bring your laptop. I did. I did. I just knew I knew it would get my mind off of the pain. I knew it would give me something to potentially celebrate and it would just give me something to do. Man, is it boring sitting in a hospital with nothing to do and watch the four channels on a tiny television hanging in the corner of the room. There's only so much Judge Judy you can exactly. watch, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so they brought your laptop. Um, you went to work and you closed it. You closed big business. And there's some, there's a, there's another like, um, 
great story from well, that story from that great ending. Tell me what happened in that deal from the from the selling. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it was it was it was a big cloud deal for a large bank, mm-hmm. and I've been fighting this one for for quite a while. And when everything came to a halt because of this accident, I I, I just knew this would give me my life again. Let's do it. Let mm-hmm. me bring this back up. And now I almost selfishly, I was kind of like, I think I have an edge now too. I'm coming to these guys. Yeah. They're going to see, wow, Furman wants to do business. Furman's looking out for us. Yeah. Guy almost died. Wow. And now he's calling us from the hospital. That says something. Jeez. And I don't know if I got the, the sympathy cl- win or what, but I got the win and that's what counts. <laughs> man, forget the renaissance, man. I'm calling you the closer, man. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Who's got a story like that? No, but... Thank you so much for, for sharing that story with me and, and with the audience, man. It, it just, um, it's just, it's very inspiring to me and I know that it's inspiring to others and I hope that you feel called in some way to share that story with as many people as will listen because I know you can make real impact in people's lives, you know, and there's always that thing where we're like, we're going through something and we say to ourselves, well, maybe it could be worse. Well, yes, it could be worse. Right. And you experienced worse and you, you overcame, man. So like, you know, of the many lessons that you learned through your experience, could you sell, give me like maybe one or two that are just like, just, you know, that stand above the rest in terms of what you learned through your, your experience? Absolutely. Um, This was another lesson that I learned a while back and it's to take chances. You'll, you'll always look back and say, I wish I did something when you didn't do something. But if you did do it, and even if it was a flop, at least you know that you tried. And I wish still to this day that I took more chances back in the day. I, I, so coming up in the ranks, I was actually a sales engineer. I wasn't a, a, a true sales guy. I was supporting the sales guys from the technical side. And I waited almost 12 years before I jumped into sales. And the one thing that I wish I did, and it kind of worked out. I'm not going to say I have regrets, but I think that I could have started my career sooner and developed my career further had I started sooner. But I was too scared to take that leap. I was too scared to have the bullseye on my back of a quota. I was too scared to drum up business from thin air go back on the phone, start cold calling again, start with nothing, go from absolute hero at the end of the month to an absolute zero Mm -hmm. at the beginning of every month. I was too scared. Mm -hmm. And then finally the stars align and I jumped in. And that is a, a massive lesson because after that, after this experience with the accident, after some other experiences, taking chances is something that I've been doing and I've been following my heart. I've been following my gut and I've just been, mm-hmm. I've just been doing right. One life to live. Mm-hmm. That's it. Wow. And the other thing is relying on mentors. This has been mm. huge, huge. Great segue. Me. That's my next question for you. So that's a great segue. Yeah. So my next question for you is, you know, in sales and business, you know, many of us have had, you know, some coaches or mentors or in some of those have been official. Some of them aren't official. They're just somebody that's looked out for us or given us some advice or some wisdom. And um, I call that person 
on this show, The Unsung Hero, because sometimes those folks don't know. Some of them do know, but some of them don't know. And so I would like to give you the opportunity to shout out one of those folks and tell tell me why you're shouting them out. So a lot of them, right? Um, mm-hmm. That was one of the things that I that I wanted to bring here to the table is that you shouldn't have just one mentor. You're limiting yourself if you just follow one person's advice, because a lot of different people could bring you a little bit and those little bits mm-hmm. add up to everything, everything. So growing up, my brother was my mentor. He's nine years older than I am. I saw him work. I saw him start to make money. He got all the nice cars. He got all the fancy clothes. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. So I started asking him, is this a good idea? He'd be like, nope, 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 nope. And I'm like, wow, this guy's so negative. He's so nice. He's dropping every one of my ideas. Looking back now, what I've asked him, I graduated college. I said, hey, do you think it's a good idea for me to start building race cars? And he goes, no. (laughs) definitely not a good idea. And with me, I'm like, I love cars. I love going fast. I love building cars, tinkering with cars. And I know a lot lot of people that like the same thing. I think I could could do this as a a career. So I didn't listen to him and I did it and lost a bunch of money. I had some good times, had some bad times, lots of bad times. And it was just a flop. (laughs) And I said, wow, man, man, he does know what he's talking about. So ever then, ever since then, I just started following his lead. And at one point, I met another person that jumped into my life. It was my first job. Um, I worked. It was my first IT job. Um, I went to school as a business administration major. And honestly, I, I thought that I'm going to graduate college. Jobs are going to be thrown at me. I'm going to be, it's going to be so easy for me to walk out of college and start making Boku bucks. And then the reality was, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I supposed to do with a business administration? I'm going to be a business administrator. No. So I got a job being a technical writer for a company that worked at a broker dealer. It was a trading firm in Jersey city, New Jersey. And in that, in that it room, I met my next mentor, a gentleman by the name of Anthony Libretto. There's a shout out. And he took me under his wing. This guy is one of the smartest guys that I know. And he said, stick with me, kid. I'll take you places. And we're gonna have a lot of fun. And he did that. He dragged me out of that IT room, got me my first junior engineer job. I looked at him. I'm like, Ant, I have no idea what I'm doing. He goes, trust me, you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn fast. And I'm gonna help you out. And he started teaching me the ways, teaching me the ways. And every time I'd screw up, or every time I wasn't doing something I was supposed to be doing, he goes, man, you got to grow up. Dude, you got to grow up. And it was so funny because that gave me the push that I needed. It would just annoy me to the point where I'm like, ah. And I went from junior SC to senior SC to a new company, still working with him hand in hand. Now we're starting to do business together. He's working at one company, started his own company. I'm working at another company. We're doing business together. It was just, it was amazing. And now what, what I look forward to, and, you know, I, I, I just joined Tierpoint just under a year ago. My biggest thing was, all right, who am I working with in this company? Are there mm-hmm. any potential mentors in this company? And my first three mm-hmm. interviews, interview number one was with Ron Bianco, who's my current boss. He's a vice president of sales. Interview number two, chief revenue officer. Interview number three, 
chief sales officer. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's a big company. We almost have a thousand employees, national company. And I'm speaking and rubbing elbows with the top folks at the company. And I could call their cell phone right now to go get lunch, to go for a surf, or to help me out with a problem I'm having where I can't get through to a customer. I need their help talking to one CFO, to another CEO, to a CTO, whatever the case may be. I know that I can rely on them and they're going to walk away from that and give me some solid advice on something I did right, something I did wrong, and what I could have done different. So mentorship okay. is absolutely everything. Okay, you, you, I, I want to pause on that because there's something really profound that you, you said that I think so many people can benefit from. First, before I, I, I go into that, again, shout out to Anthony, and you didn't tell us your brother's name. What's your brother's Oleg name? Oleg Furman. Oleg, what's happening? <laughs> shout out to Oleg and Anthony. Now, how long have you been in, how many years have you been in your career now? Uh, this will be 14 years. All right, 14 years. So... You mentioned, you said when you when you showed up at Tier Point, first thing you did was start to look at, okay, who can I find, who can I get mentorship from? Who I, You started to try to identify mentors. And I find, I find that to be extremely profound because there's so many people that have experience that they stop doing that. They, they think that like we graduate from being, you know, the mentee to the mentor. Yep. Right. And they don't continue to look for those those folks or look for education or look for, you know, ways to educate themselves. They feel like, OK, I'm at this point and, and I'm kind of good. I've you know, I'm 15, 16, 20 years, 25 years in my career. And yeah, I know more than every than everybody else. Maybe they don't say that to themselves, but they act that way. So what you just shared, I hope that some that people take something from that. If you don't have mentorship and coaching right now. And you're a you're a veteran. You're experienced, man. Go find it, and it doesn't have to come from somebody that's older than you. And I think that's kind of what happens as we get older and more established, and we're like, okay, well, there's not too many people that are older yeah. than me that are that have more experience. That mentorship, that that those sorts of mentor type relationships can come from people that just have different experiences and different education than you. Um, they can be younger than you. So thank you for sharing that. I, I want to make sure that that didn't get missed uh, with folks. And I wanted to make sure we shouted out your brother. <laughs> um, all right. This has been a blast, man. And literally, you know, Gary, I could do this for like a couple hours with you. But we don't have a couple hours because we got salespeople <laughs> listening to this and watching this. And you guys need to shut the hell up and go sell. So my last question. Leave us with some simple practical, pragmatic advice, direction, whatever that someone can take from this episode and apply that direction or advice to their career and start to see some success. Absolutely. What I, you got? I, I think the, the biggest thing I would say is just don't get comfortable. The more uncomfortable you are, the more it's going to inspire you to do things differently and do things you haven't done before. Um, if you get comfortable, you become mediocre, you plateau, you'll never get better. And then rely on partners. There's a lot of people around you that you, you will have no idea, but you could say something like cloud services and they'll be like, oh, my cousin Joe, he, he does something with cloud services. You guys should talk. All right, let's talk. And that could be your next big deal. There is help around us at all times. 
channel mm-hmm. partners, right? Where you and I just were in Vegas. That is a massive gathering of partners that all have opportunities, that all have livelihoods. They need to put food on the table for their families. And how do they do that? By giving opportunities to people like me that work for a provider. And I rely on them for that, right? If they like working with you, they're going to continue to give you opportunities. And not all of them will close, but they're going to keep you busy. So I want to ask you, because I like to get as like tactical and prescriptive as possible. So you you mentioned, you know, staying uncomfortable or not getting comfortable. Is there something that you do on either a daily or weekly basis that keeps you in that mindset or, or brings you back to to focusing on, on being in uncomfortability? Absolutely. You, you block off some time and you make some cold calls. Humble, mm. humble yourself again. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I, again, now being established, having some accounts, having a lot of partners that I work with, there's better phone calls that I could be making. But once in a while, you got to have that humbling moment of just saying, hey, I'm calling from Tierpoint. What are you guys doing for technology? What's your ISD mm-hmm. stack look like? And that results in either a, a moment of like, I know I remember where I came from or mm. it could be a potential opportunity. So I, mm. I do a lot of things like that. And my company, I'm fortunate enough where we have a lot of these marketing programs and our marketing programs really push us. We're, we're judged with metrics of what kind of outreaches we do, things like that. And it, it forces me to do exactly that. I, I strive to get new business in the door. Partners are, I would say the low hanging fruit, but the core business, something I could drum up by myself, that really develops me as a person, me as a salesperson. When I have my own relationships, that gives me power. And it could be within the organization and then also outside of the organization. Because if I'm selling apples here, go to the company. Now, my next company, I'm selling oranges. And I know this guy's going to buy oranges for me. Who's a better man? I'm an easy hire. Yeah. So mm-hmm. stay relevant. Stay on your toes and just don't plateau. As soon as you get plateau, you're getting ready for retirement. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad that. thing. Well, I mean, not if it's, yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I can't even envision it, man. But at some point, I think the, the good thing is doing it on your terms. Exactly. Doing it on your terms. All right, Gary, this has been a blast, man. Thank Absolutely. you for sharing the story. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And guys, again, that last takeaway Hey, make some calls. If you're someone that's been that you, you know been in the business for a long time, been in sales for a long time, and you found yourself getting drifting further and further away from those core fundamental um, activities, get back to it, man. That's get it. back to it. Give yourself a, a gut check. All right, guys. Um, I appreciate you as always checking in, watching this podcast, listening to this podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please give us five stars. Give us a review. Tell your friends. Um, all that good stuff that I tell you every time I appreciate it, but I appreciate nothing more than the time that you've given us. Cause I understand how, how valuable that is. So thank you for hanging out, Gary. Thank you for giving us your time. And listen, folks, if you don't remember anything else from this podcast, which by the way, if you don't remember this, this is a memorable one, man. I don't know if you can't remember this one, I, I don't know what to say for say to you, but if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Shh.
Say less, sell more. See you guys next time. Hey guys, it's Ronnell, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Shut the Hell Up and Sell podcast. If you liked it, please rate us five stars on whichever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. And while you're at it, punch that subscribe button. That way you get notified every time we drop a brand new episode. Hey, I'd also appreciate it if you went to our website, shutthehellupandsell.com, and became a member. It's absolutely free, and you'll have the opportunity to listen to previous episodes of our podcast, check out some of our free courses, get a copy of the book, and we'll send you sales tips and motivational nuggets from time to time. Lastly, if you'd like to book me for either appearances or speaking engagements, just send an email to my team at team at shutthehelluponsell.com.